بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the Ma'arakatul Yamama, the Battle of Yamama, which was the Muslim forces against Musaylimah al-Kadhab. The Muslims, alhamdulillah, they were led by Khalid ibn al-Walid, and they were able to defeat Musaylimah and his army, and Banu Hanifa returned back to Islam, alhamdulillah. So today, inshallah, we are going to speak about Another one of the battles that was against the apostates, as we mentioned, most of the Arabian Peninsula left Islam after the death of the Prophet So Abu Bakr al-Siddiq he sent multiple armies to different parts of the Arabian Peninsula to neutralize those threats from those apostates. So last week we spoke about the army that was sent to Al-Yamama, against Musaylim al-Kadhab. And today, inshallah, we want to speak about the battle of the Muslims against the Murtaddin, against the apostates in Bahrain. And when we say Bahrain, it's not only the current country of Bahrain. Bahrain, at that time, it was known to consist of what is modern-day Bahrain along with Qatar and along with Al-Ihsa, that whole area in that region was known as Bahrain. Now, there were many Arab tribes that lived in that area, the area of Bahrain. The Arabs, basically, they can be divided, divided into two main subcategories. The Arabs, they basically have two major branches. The branches are the branch of Rabi'ah and the branch of Mudar. So those are the two main branches of the Arabs. Mudar and Rabi'ah. The Quraysh, they were from Mudar. And the tribes around the area of Bahrain, they were from Rabi'ah. So there were many of the tribes of Rabi'ah that were in that area, the area of Bahrain. And from these tribes, from the tribes of Rabi'ah that were in the area of Bahrain were the tribes of Abdul Qais and the tribe of Banu Bakr. Those were two of the big tribes there in Bahrain. All right. Now, if we go back to the Sira, if you remember, the people of Bahrain, there was a delegation that came from Bahrain and they met with the Prophet ﷺ during his lifetime and they accepted Islam. And the king of Bahrain at that time was a man named Al-Munzir ibn Sawa. Al-Munzir ibn Sawa. And he accepted Islam as well. Alhamdulillah. So the Prophet ﷺ kept their king in place as their ruler. He became a Muslim, alhamdulillah, the people became Muslims. So he kept Al-Munzir ibn Sawa, who was previously their king, he kept them as their ruler, that he can remain in his position of leadership. So this was Al-Munzir ibn Sawa radiallahu anhu. Now after the passing away of the Prophet ﷺ, after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, just a very short time later, Basically, just a few days later, after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, this man, Al-Munzir ibn Sawa, he also died. He died very shortly after the Prophet ﷺ. So when Al-Munzir ibn Sawa, 
the ruler of Bahrain, when he died, then the people of Bahrain, they apostated. They left Islam. They left Islam. And as we mentioned, there were two major tribes in Bahrain, the tribe of Banu Bakr and the tribe of Abdul Qais. So the tribe of Banu Bakr, they apostated. They left Islam. As for the tribe of Abdul Qais, they were considering leaving Islam as well. And their reason why they wanted to leave Islam is they said that if the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, if he was really a prophet, then he wouldn't have died. If he was really a prophet, then he would have continued to live. He wouldn't have died. How can a prophet die? So this was Abdul Qais, the tribe of Abdul Qais. This was their thinking. This was their reasoning behind considering leaving Islam. So now there was a man named Al-Jarud ibn Al-Mu'alla radiallahu anhu. He was a great man. And he spoke to the people of Abdul Qais who were considering leaving Islam. He, speak to the, he spoke to the people of the tribe of Abdul Qais who were considering leaving Islam. And he said to them, don't you believe in previous prophets, the prophets that came before Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Don't you believe in Musa and Nuh and Isa? Don't you believe in other prophets of Allah? And they said, yes, of course we believe in other prophets of Allah. And then he said, what happened to those prophets? What happened to Musa and Nuh and Ibrahim? Where are they now? And then they said, they passed away. So then Al-Jarud said, okay, if Musa passed away and he was a prophet of Allah, Ibrahim passed away, he was a prophet of Allah, Nuh passed away, he was a prophet of Allah, then Muhammad وسلم, he also passed away, he was also a prophet of Allah. It's the same thing. All of the prophets before them, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, passed away, except for Isa السلام, he did not pass away. He was raised to the heavens and before Yawm Al-Qiyamah, he will come back to earth and he will live for some time and then he will also pass away. So everyone has to pass away, even the prophets of Allah. So he explained it to them in a beautiful way and they understood what he was saying and they realized that what Al-Jarud was saying made sense. So the tribe of Abdul Qais of Bahrain, they decided to stay upon Islam. They decided not to leave Islam, alhamdulillah. So now the two tribes of Bahrain, one of them has apostated from Islam. The other one, alhamdulillah, they remain upon Islam. Banu Bakr, they left Islam. But Abdul Qais, they remained upon Al-Islam, alhamdulillah. So now, Banu Bakr, they formed an army to fight against Abdul Qais. These two tribes of Bahrain, one of them is Muslim, one of them is apostated. The apostate tribe of Banu Bakr, they decided to form an army to fight against the Muslim tribe of Abdul Qais. And Jarud al-Mu'alla, he got the Muslims together, the people who stayed upon Islam, and he formed an army with them as well. So now there's an apostate army and there is a Muslim army. Now Jarud and his army, they were vastly outnumbered by the army of Banu Bakr. The army of Banu Bakr, the apostate army, it was much bigger. They had much more people in their army than Al-Jarud was able to accumulate in his army. So now Al-Jarud and his army, they're in a very dangerous situation. The Muslim army here is in a very dangerous situation because they're vastly outnumbered. So they sent a message to Abu Bakr of Siddiq radiallahu anhu. 
They sent a message to the, uh, to the Khalifa, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, to inform him that this is the situation. Banu Bakr has apostated from Islam and they want to attack us and we are vastly outnumbered. So we need some support. So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, as soon as he got this news, he sent an army. He sent an army to go support Al-Jarud and the Muslims of Bahrain. And he sent this army under Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami. One of the companions of the Prophet Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami. He was sent with an army to go and help Al-Jarud against the Murtaddin, against, against the apostates of Bahrain. Now the reason why Abu Bakr as-Siddiq chose Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami for, for this specific task to go to Bahrain is because Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami, if you remember from the Seerah lessons, Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami was actually the original messenger of the Prophet ﷺ that he had originally sent to Bahrain. When the Prophet ﷺ was giving da'wah to the different rulers and the different tribes around the Arabian Peninsula, he sent messengers with these messages. And the messenger that he sent to Al-Bahrain was Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami. So he knew Bahrain, he knew the people of Bahrain, he knew the situation of Bahrain. So Abu Bakr as-Siddiq thought that this is the best person I can send to Bahrain. He was actually the messenger of the messenger وسلم, to Bahrain. So who better to go to Bahrain and take care of that situation? So he sent Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami to go and help Al-Jarud against the apostates of Bahrain. Alright, as Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami was on his way from Medina to Bahrain, he passed through Al-Yamama. Al-Yamama, that is where Banu Hanifa is from. That's where the battle against Musaylima had just taken place. So Al-Ala, he passed through that area. And some of the Muslims in that area, they joined him as well. Thumama ibn Uthal. He joined him with an army. And Qais ibn Asim, he also joined him with an army. So the army of Ala ibn al-Hadrami, it's getting supporting armies on the way to go and fight the apostates of Bahrain. Now Al-Ala was in a rush to get to Bahrain because Al-Jarud and his army, they were under an immediate danger from the apostates of Banu Bakr. That they could attack them at any time. And the Muslims were vastly outnumbered. So Al-Ala knew that he needed to get to Bahrain quick before the apostates of Banu Bakr could attack the Muslims of Abdul Qais. So Al-Ala knew that this is an urgent situation that he needs to get to Bahrain as quickly as possible. So because of this urgency, he didn't take the normal path to Bahrain the regular pathway that you would go from Medina to Bahrain. It was a known tariq, it was a known pathway. He didn't take that pathway. Rather, he took a shortcut. But it's a very dangerous shortcut that he took. Because this shortcut, it goes through the open desert known as Ad-Dahna. And the desert of Ad-Dahna, it is an expansive and empty desert that was known to hardly have any oases there. So hardly any water, very rare to find water in that desert. So it's a dangerous journey to go through that desert. But he knew that he had to get to Bahrain quick and that was a quicker way. So even though it was dangerous, he decided to go through the desert of Ad-Dahna with his army. All right. 
So they go into the desert. Now they're in the middle of that desert. And nightfall comes. So Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, he tells his army, okay, we're going to rest here for the night and we're going to continue in the morning. So they get off of their camels and then something agitates the camels. The camels get bothered by something and they all run away. So the people have come down off the camels in the middle of the desert in the night and the camels have everything on them. The camels have all the food. The camels have the water. The camels have the supplies. The camels are their mode of transportation, right? So they really, really need these camels. But once they get off the camels, something happens and the camels, they run away. They all run away. So now this Muslim army, it's in the middle of the desert of Ad-Dahna with no transportation, no animals, with no water, with no food, and with no supplies. So now, of course, the, the Muslims, they're, they're very worried. They're very scared. They're in the middle of the desert here and they don't know what to do. And they felt that this is it. This is the end. This is certain death. There's no way we can survive this now. Once the sun comes up, then the heat is going to become extreme. We're not going to have anything to drink and we will die. So they were certain that they were going to die. Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, who was the, the leader of this army, when he saw them very sad and he saw them in this type of situation so worried, he went to them and he said, what's wrong? Why are you guys so sad? Why are you so worried? And then they said, shouldn't we be worried? Don't we have the right to be sad and worried? Look, we're done. We're going to be destroyed now. This is the end. This is the end. But Al-Ala, he said to them with, with firm certainty, with firm faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said, Wallahi, you will not be destroyed. Wallahi, Allah will save you and He will protect you. You came on this expedition for Allah. And Allah knows your sincerity. So there is no way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow you to be destroyed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will find, will, will make some way out for you. He will definitely make some way out for you. So don't worry, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you and He will help you and He will save you. So they slept that night. Then the time for Salatul Fajr came. So they got up for Salatul Fajr. They prayed Salatul Fajr. After praying Salatul Fajr, Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, the leader of this expedition, he starts making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after Fajr. Making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, help us. We're in a situation that is very difficult. Save us and help us. He made this dua and the people, they also made dua for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save them. A little bit, a little while later, the sun rose, sunrise came. So now there is some light. And once the light came up, the people, they could see in the distance something that looked shiny like water. Now, you know, in the desert, sometimes you see something shining that looks like water. But when you go there, it's actually not water. It's a mirage. This is very common in the desert. So these people, they saw this shining area a little bit far away that looked like water but they were not sure because they know they're people who live in the desert so they know that these mirages exist so they thought to themselves look that looks like water but we're not sure it could be a mirage it could be water so they went over there to see and when they went over there what did they discover they discovered that it was actually water it was not a mirage it was actually an oasis with water alhamdulillah so they found that after sunrise they went there, they found that water, they were happy, alhamdulillah. They drank to their fill. 
they quenched their thirst, they even took baths, they cleaned themselves up, alhamdulillah, it was a good amount of water. And they didn't want to leave that area. They're like, okay, we're gonna stay here until something happens. Because we don't have any animals, we don't have any food, we can't leave the water, we have to stay around the water. So they stayed there for a few more hours. They stayed there for a few more hours, the sun continued to become brighter, and the day continued to become hotter, and eventually, after a few hours, before Dhuhr time, what did they see coming from all directions? They saw the camels. The camels are all coming back. Because the camels need water too. So the camels found that water as well, and they came back as well. So all of their supplies, all of their food, now their transportation, it's all back. Walhamdulillah. And the camels, they had, they quenched their thirst as well, and everything was good to go. Walhamdulillah. So this was a lesson to these people that you put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even when it seems that it's finished and there's no way out even when it looks like this is the end of the road Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a way out for you if you have taqwa as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقُهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ وَمَن يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ Whoever fears Allah and keeps their duty towards Allah, Allah will make a way out for him. Any difficulty, any situation, even if you, you, you think it looks impossible, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a way out for you. وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide for this person from a source that this person never would have even imagined. The thought wouldn't even come in your mind where you're going to get your risk. Allah will make a way out for you in a way that never even crossed your mind. Do you think these people could have imagined that this would happen? That they would suddenly find water and then their camels would come back? It never even crossed their mind. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it to them. Allah provides for people from sources that they could never even imagine. And whoever puts their trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is enough. Allah is enough for this person. So this, is a less, this was a lesson for them and it's a lesson for us as well. When you're going through difficulties and hard times and you, you don't see any solution in sight, ask Allah for the solution. He'll give you the solution from a source that you could never have even thought about. Just put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all from the mutawakkilin. All right. So now alhamdulillah everything is okay. They continue on their path towards Bahrain. When they get near Bahrain, they send a message to Al-Jarud, who was the leader of the Muslim forces in Bahrain. Now the Muslims under Al-Ala, this army that was sent by Abu Bakr, he sent a message to Al-Jarud that come towards us, come in our direction so that we can all gather together, we can assemble together and we can join forces. Then we will be ready to fight Banu Bakr. We'll be ready to fight the apostates of Banu Bakr. So Al-Jarud, he got that message. He came and he joined the forces with Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami. So now Jarud and the people that he had with him, they're with the army of Al-Ala ibn Al-Hadrami. Now, Alhamdulillah, they have support. So now the, the Muslims, they set up their camp and the Kuffar also set up their camp. Now the time for the battle is going to begin. The Murtaddun or the apostates, their leader was a man named Al-Hutam. Ibn Dhubay'ah, Al-Hutam Ibn Dhubay'ah. He was the leader of the apostates of Bahrain. So he gathered his army and he set up his camp. 
and the Muslims under Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, they set up their camp. And then the fighting started. The fighting started. And they would only fight in the daytime because when it got dark, then they were, would not be able to see each other. So the fighting would stop after the sunset and each side would retreat back to their camps. Then the next morning, when the light would come out again, they would go back and they would fight. So this went on, fighting from Fajr to Maghrib. It went on every day for about a month. So it was heavy fighting, it was intense fighting. And every night, each side would go back and retreat to their camps. This went on for about a month. Alright, one night after both sides had retreated back to their camps, the Muslims, they heard a lot of noise. They heard a lot of noise coming from the direction of the camp of the apostates. A lot of noise, like they were having some type of a party or something. So Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, he, he sent some spies to go and investigate. What is going on? What is all that noise? What are they doing? So he sent some spies to go and investigate the situation. These spies, they went over to the apostate camp. And what did they see? They saw that the apostate army, the army of the kuffar, they were all drunk. They would go to their camp in the night and then they would get drunk. So this night they were drunk, completely drunk. And they were shouting and they were making noise and they were completely out of their minds. They were completely intoxicated, out of their minds. So now... These two spies, they came back. The spies came back and they informed Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, their commander, that we went over to the apostate camp and we found that they're all drunk. That's the noise that they're making. They're out of their minds and they're drunk. So now, Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami, he said, okay, look, this is an opportunity. They're drunk. If they're drunk, they're not going to be able to fight. So even though it's night, we will go and ambush their camp. We will go and attack their camp and they will not be able to get away from us. They will not be able to fight us when they're drunk. So Al-Ala ibn al-Hadrami ordered the Muslim army to go to the kuffar camp and to attack them in the night. So they went and the kuffar were caught off guard. They weren't expecting an attack in the night and they really couldn't resist. They couldn't fight back because they were so drunk. They were unable to fight back. So the Muslims, alhamdulillah, slaughtered a lot of them. They killed many of them and they imprisoned many of them. Walhamdulillah. And this is how the Muslims took back Bahrain. The Muslims were victorious in this battle. They killed a number of the apostates and they imprisoned a number of them. And they took back Bahrain. Walhamdulillah. So now this is another victory on the side of the Muslims. Walhamdulillah. Also during this time, Oman. There were events, important events taking place in Oman. Oman is in the southeastern part of the Arabian Peninsula. And the people of Oman had become Muslims also during the time of the Prophet If you remember from the seerah, Oman during the time of the Prophet had two kings actually. It was ruled by two brothers, Jafar and Abd, the sons of Al-Julandi. Jafar and Abd, two, two brothers, and they were both the kings of Oman. This was during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. They became Muslims during the time of the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ had sent Amr ibn al-As to invite them to Islam. They accepted Islam, alhamdulillah. And the Prophet ﷺ kept them in charge. 
they were the they were the rulers of their people and they became Muslims so the Prophet kept them in charge and the people of Oman they all became Muslim walhamdulillah when the Prophet passed away there was one evil man from Oman his name was Luqayt ibn Malik al-Uzdi after the Prophet Muhammad passed away this man Luqayt ibn Malik al-Uzdi he claimed to be a prophet he was one of the many people after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, who falsely claimed to be a prophet. Luqayt ibn Malik was, was one of them. So Luqayt ibn Malik, he claimed to be a prophet and he wanted to rebel against the two brothers. He wanted to rebel against Jafar and Abd. Now Luqayt, he was able to gather a pretty large following from the people of Oman. A number of the people of Oman, they apostated from Islam and they followed this false claimant to prophethood, Luqayt ibn Malik. Now the two rulers of Oman, Jafar and Abd, they became afraid that this man, he has gained a pretty big following and he may be able to overthrow us. So they fled. They fled to the mountains to take refuge in the mountains and they sent a message to Abu Bakr. Jafar was able to send a message to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq informing him of what had happened. That this man Luqayt ibn Malik, he has claimed to be a prophet. He has gathered a pretty big following and he wants to take control of Oman. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he quickly sent an army under Hudayfa ibn Muhsin and another army under Arfaja ibn Harthama. And also he sent Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl to Oman. So basically three armies he sent to neutralize the threat in Oman. Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl, he and his army, they reached first and they set up their base. They set up their camp in Sahar, the area of Sahar, which at that time was the capital of Oman. Luqayt, the false claimant to prophethood, he gathered his apostate army and they gathered in Diba, which in current geographical terms, it's in the north part of Masqat which is currently the capital of Oman. Okay? So Luqayt, he gathered his army and Ikrimah gathered his army. And then Alhamdulillah, the other armies came as well. As we said, Abu Bakr, he sent three armies. The army of Hudayfa, the army of Arfaja, and the army of Ikrimah. So these armies, they came, Alhamdulillah. And they started their battle against Luqayt and the apostates. So this battle was very intense. The battle of Oman, it was very intense and in the beginning the Muslims suffered a lot even though there were three armies three Muslim armies still they were outnumbered Luqayt this false claimant to prophethood he had gathered such a huge following that the apostates outnumbered the Muslims even though the Muslims had three armies the apostates here they outnumbered the Muslims so in the beginning the Muslims suffered a lot and it it looked like they were losing it looked like in the beginning of this battle that the Muslims were losing. But then, alhamdulillah, there was a nearby tribe, a tribe that was nearby the area named Banu Najia, the tribe of Banu Najia. And this tribe, during all of this confusion and chaos after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, they were thinking, should we stay, as, should we stay upon Islam or, or not? They were considering what to do. And Alhamdulillah, they decided that they would stay upon Islam. They decided that they would stay upon Islam. The tribe of Banu Najia. And while the battle of Oman was going on and it looked like the Muslims were about to lose, suddenly 
the tribe of Banu Najiyah, they come onto the scene to support the Muslim army. So now, this is a huge support for the Muslim army. Banu Najiyah, it's a big tribe. So now, with this support, Alhamdulillah, the Muslims are revitalized and they're able to fight with more confidence, Alhamdulillah. And eventually, they were able to defeat the Kuffar. The Muslims got the upper hand. They defeated Luqayt. They killed this false claimant to prophethood, Alhamdulillah. So now that threat was over and the Muslims retook control of Oman. Hudayfa ibn Muhsin, who was the leader of one of those armies that Abu Bakr al-Siddiq had sent, he stayed in Oman for a while just to make sure that the situation stabilizes, to make sure that the people stay firm upon Islam. He stayed there for a while. While Arfaja, he went back to Medina with the spoils of war. He went back to take the spoils of war back to uh, Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu And as for Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl, he and some of these new soldiers from the tribe of Banu Najiyah who had helped them, they continued on to the next stage of the battles against the apostates, the tribe of Muhra, the tribe of Muhra, which is in current day Hadramaut. So they continued on to fight the next batch of apostates. As we said, the apostates, they were all over the Arabian Peninsula. So now Ikrima and Banu Najiyah, they go for the next batch of apostates of Muhra. So when they reached the tribe of Muhra, it had divided into two groups and each group had its own leader. And both of these groups had apostated from Islam. So now Ikrimah, when he reached, before starting to fight them, he invited both of these groups back to Islam. One of the leaders of one of those groups, he agreed with what Ikrimah had to say and he came back to Islam. And the people under him, they also came back to Islam. But the leader of the other group refused to come back to Islam. So now the tribe of Muhra, divided into two subgroups. One of them has come back to Islam, alhamdulillah, and they have joined the army of Ikrimah. But the other group, they remained upon apostasy and they did not want to come back to Islam. So now Ikrimah and his army, they go and fight these apostates. And alhamdulillah, they were able to retake the tribe of Muhra. They were victorious in this battle, alhamdulillah. So that is how Muhra came back to Islam. So you see here, step by step, the Arabian Peninsula is coming back to Islam. After the death of the Prophet ﷺ, the majority of the peninsula apostated, but now Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, he sent these armies everywhere, and step by step, they are coming back to Al-Islam, walhamdulillah. So next week, inshallah, we will speak about the turmoil in Yemen during the time of apostasy. After the death of the Prophet ﷺ, when the apostasy came around the Arabian Peninsula, Yemen was in a huge chaotic situation, in huge turmoil. So inshallah, next week we'll speak about Yemen and the situation of Yemen during the time of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu We'll continue next week with Allah. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.